May we know God's grace in our lives and in this city. Amen. Because we read the gospel in fits and starts through the course of a church year, it can be hard to find our place sometimes in the flow of the story. On the face of it, our gospel reading this morning from John Milley looks like the sort of drama that Jesus and his disciples seem to bring with them wherever they go. Today's moment in time is especially rich with themes set at crosshairs. Friends in fractious relationship, the seeming contradiction of the extravagance of the adoration of one, surrounded by a world of need. Men and women and the operation of power, all themes swirling around each other as a politically tempestuous religious festival, the Passover, looms on the horizon. When we locate this particular piece of Scripture in the context of John's Gospel, the scene is much more intimate and personal. For it was only a brief while ago, perhaps a few days or at most weeks, that Jesus was last in the home of Mary and Martha. This time not to be part of an argument on the mission of his movement, but to raise their brother, Lazarus from the dead. Perhaps this is why Mary anoints Jesus' feet with the precious nard. Jesus had done a miraculous and profoundly moving thing at the middle hour of his family's grief. Surely, this was the very least they could do to express their profound gratitude. And in that moment of tender intimacy, the messiness of life in community breaks in. Other people offer their views. We can almost imagine another sort of family argument to the one in Luke's gospel where Martha was busy in the home and not amused at the sight of her sister Mary lounging at Jesus' feet. However we read this particular gospel passage from John, one thing is for certain. Following Jesus in the company of others is messy. Far easier to retreat to the life of individual piety. Keep your prayer life your own. Play the kind of music you like in the privacy of your car or home and never have to be bothered by someone else's view of God. Easier, perhaps, for a while, but not the church. Church is all about the mess. Communities of people learning to trace the movement of grace in the sometimes disorderly and often confusing life they have elected to share together. Indeed, ever since the Lord sent humankind out of Egypt, our vocation as people on the earth has been to find God within the messiness of life, not beyond it. And for us, God is to be found not only in the mess of life together in general, but in the embodied drama 
in the points of tension, in the complexity of life in the city, in this city of Atlanta in particular. As we take stock today of what it means for us to be the church on this corner of North Avenue and West Peachtree, we can recall that although now spread around the globe in all sorts of places and contexts, it was in the city that the movement of Jesus had its first missionary beginnings, places thickly layered with questions of identity and belonging. True then and true today. And so with such a polyphony of voices in the city, how might the life of the church choose to make itself heard? As churches see the paradigm of religious affiliation in American cities shift at an alarmingly rapid pace, as we look back to those earliest churches in the cities of the first century, it can be easy to feel tempted seemingly to join Paul and stake a claim for our legitimacy upon the urban landscapes of today's place in time. As Paul writes in his missive to the early church in Philippi, if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet as Paul goes on, as much as the question of his legitimacy as an apostle remains on the horizon of his life, of his ministry, it is clear that for him none of these identity markers really matter. For he has become a new creation, a new emptied self found in Christ Jesus. For Paul, it is not the recognition of others that he is seeking but how he might receive the gift of grace at the heart rather than at the periphery of life. And to be able to receive that gift with both hands, he knows that he must first let go of valuing how others see him. Might that also be our intention, not only as individuals but as a community? to receive the gift of grace at the heart of our lives. Certainly, if we can make that our intent, not only for ourselves, but for the sake of this city we are called to love and serve, then we will continue to grow as a church whose life together increasingly becomes what Marie Liu Wong calls the spirited art of God, a people alive to one another, and to the city's own striving and longing for grace. To be in the city is to choose to make home among the vast array of ways that God speaks to us in and for the city. In a way, then, the church in the city is called to be beautifully unauthorized and providentially haphazard. We are invited to lower our guards and allow our life together to enlarge and expand, mirroring the enlarging and expanding hopes and fears of the people around us. 
So as we take stock of our ministry here, might we also take in a good dose of Jesus' way of transforming grace at the heart of who we are as a church? I give thanks for all saints, for this church in the city, for what is comfortable and for what is contested between us. Like Mary and Martha, I welcome our arguments within the family about what should really matter in this life of following Jesus. For in sharing our passions, we learn what we value and how deeply we are willing to travel with one another on our journey toward God's kingdom of belovedness and hope. Seek the peace of the city, the prophet Jeremiah wrote millennia ago. For in its peace you will find your own. May it be so with us, we saints of all sorts. May we continue to strive and count nothing as gain, yet love one another as Christ's very own.